everybody, welcome to another episode of Studio Wesley Annex, our weekly discussion of the lectionary text. I'm Derek Scott III, your host. We got Brooke back. How are you doing this morning, Brooke? I am good. I have a microphone, so I'm really excited about that. It's a good day. Thank it's you, Mike. good. It's good to have you with us again, Brooke. We missed you for uh, Epiphany 3, but you're back for Epiphany 4. Rocking. And we got Michael Yarrick back as well. Michael, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing okay. I'd be doing better if my toaster was working for my avocado toast this morning, but that's okay. Because the avocado toast situation last week was pretty funny. Yes, it was. Last week. Well, and we also have a new uh, friend joining us for uh, Annex this week, Drew Foreman, all the way from Boca Raton, Florida. Actually, though, you live in Lake Worth, right? West Palm. West Palm, Lake Worth, yeah. All these, like, where do I live? Um, Boca, uh, Lake Worth, West Palm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Drew, how are you doing this morning, my friend? I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here. Very excited. Awesome. This, friends, you just need to know, this is a full Studio Wesley team discussion today. No guests. We're all in-house. We're all here, and it's going to be so, so good. So I'm going to open us up in prayer, and then we're going to go right into the text for the fourth week of Epiphany. Friends, let's pray. Jesus, I just give you praise and thanks for all that you're doing. Thank you for scripture. Thank you for the chance we get to just discuss it together and to talk through it. And so I just pray, oh God, that you would... Uh, just be so felt and, and heard as we discuss this, these texts today. And we give you praise for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, friends. Again, we are in the fourth week after Epiphany Sunday, um, which really wasn't an Epiphany Sunday, which is, again, that's a little bit of the controversy. Fourth week of Epiphany, but some people are already moving to ordinary time. It's fine. But in Annex world, we are still in the season of light. Epiphany. So Brooke is going to open us with, actually, well, let me tell you all the text. So we're looking at 1 Corinthians 1, Micah 6. What a beautiful text. Psalm 15 and Matthew 5. And Brooke is going to get us started with the New Testament text. So Brooke, go ahead and take it away with 1 Corinthians 1. Hi, I'm really excited about this text today. Um, all right. So our text today is 1 Corinthians 1. 18 through 31. And I do, I do recommend reading all of it, but I'm going to pull out two different sections from it. The first section that really hit me was um, for Jews demand signs and Greeks desire wisdom, but we proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, for God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Um, what I found really interesting about this section is um, I've been thinking a bit lately about um, that beauty, you know, of how everyone sees the world differently. Like we all have different perspectives. We all have different values. We all, we all have like a unique perception of the world, um, even as like we're like in our humanness and our perce perceiving of it 
the way that we come into the world is unique to our culture and our experiences and just the way that we work. Um, but what I like about this passage, and I could be way off, I could be reading this way off, but what it really strikes for me is this idea that um, like God, like Greeks value wisdom, right? So like God is wisdom. Like the thing that we are seeking, no matter what our unique culture is, right? Like, like God was not originally like the God of the Greeks, right? Like that comes from a Jewish tradition. And yet still like God is the manifestation of the wisdom that their culture values. And I find that, um, just a really beautiful thing to ponder and carry with me that the thing that all of us are seeking, even in all of our uniqueness and all of our desires and all of our values, the thing that we're ultimately seeking is God. And God is more of that than anything. I, um, yeah, I, I find that very beautiful and filling and challenging. And that's something that I'm going to be carrying with me. The other thing that stood out to me is, um, and this is kind of like a roast, right? Like ever since I was a child, right? When I hear this passage, I'm like, Paul's kind of like coming for them. Like <laughs> he's being kind of brutal here, but he says, consider your own call, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, things that are not, to reduce to nothing things that are, so that no one might boast in the presence of God. He is the source of your life in Jesus Christ, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption in order that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Um, I, and it's weird, it's weird to say this because I feel like this could become arrogant. <laughs> I have to um, work on arrogance in this too, but I, um, it means so much to me in this message that I find in the gospel of like this topsy-turvy world, right? Where like um, the low will be made high, the high will be made low. Um, this not only radical equality of God, but the way that, gosh, the way, the way that God individually sees us and, and measures us up and down so that we can be um, humbly on the same level as everyone else. Um, and maybe I'm not, I'm probably not saying that right, but this, this mutuality where like we are, <laughs> we are in kinship and connection with each other. Um, but I've been thinking about this passage because I, um, last year I was diagnosed with ADHD. Um, but I wanna go to grad school. And I want to be a professor. <laughs> like, I want to go into academia. Um, and I I find this comforting because I'm like, yeah, like, there are ways that people could think, like, I do have, like, a learning disability. Like, I, there is no way that I could have a space in academia or in a place like that. But when I hear this passage, it, it makes me remember that, like, 
for God, like it would make sense for God to let me be a professor, even though I have a learning disability. Like that's the type of place that God would appear and show up. Um, and I have to have humility in that, right? I can't just be like, oh, I have ADHD. So like, according to God, I'm going to be great. <laughs> like I still have to work and trust in God and um, I think have thanks to God for making something like that possible. Um, but I, I find comfort in this idea that it's like the things that seem to not belong, like in God, they will belong. I find a lot of comfort and beauty in that, even though it's so funny because Paul is just straight up like, y'all aren't rich, y'all aren't smart, <laughs> and you're still here. So um, that's really, um, really funny, but it's also um, really relatable, I think. Brooke, I, I am... Um... Oh, I'm just so thankful for you and so thankful for the ways that you see the text. I, I do resonate with you around uh, the way Paul sort of comes at it with, you're, you're not smart, you're not rich, but look, you're still here. And I'll just name, you know, so much of the work that I do, I'm technically not credentialed or qualified to do. Um, you know, I'm not ordained. I've not been to seminary. Um, uh, many of our alumni have more uh, religious education than I do, formal religious education. Um, I, I just, I, I, I literally could tell you almost every role that I play. I'm like, yeah, I, um, I, I don't, I'm actually not qualified to do that, but here we are. And um I, I do love, and I'll just step in and step right back out because I think Drew and Michael have something to contribute as well, but the upside down nature of, of, of God's wisdom, God's economy, God's way of doing things where there's more going on than what we have determined are the, the parameters and the rubrics. So, so yeah, um, what I found interesting about that is that I feel like when you look throughout the Bible, it's not God intentionally didn't choose people that are perfect uh, or flawless to carry out his mission. And I feel like even sort of what Derek was saying with being unqualified, I think like, you know, before this, I'm thinking, I don't know, like, am I qualified to speak about these things, you know, but I feel like uh, one of the beautiful things about being a Christian is that God doesn't look at you as qualified or unqualified based off of, you know, your education or the things that you do. It's about your faith. And so that's what I got from it. Yeah, just to just to to kind of jump on that a little bit. I like I think this is like literary like mastery right here. These like juxtapositions and these like these opposites being used all the time. Like we literally see that in in every bit of writing and basic artistry everywhere now. And now I'm like, oh, it came from the Bible. That's cool. I don't know if that's fair to say, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say it for the sh the sake of us talking about this right now. And I and I do think that's cool because then like this and this may be a, a radical leap but i just think about how like <clears throat> we we literally like 
find salvation through like this brutal like capital punishment type of situation of jesus like all of salvation is this massive like juxtaposition of like we found like life through death like right like every literally all of it is there and then now once again we're like getting all these signs of like um just everything being turned on its head like god god's so clearly using the like these people to like highlight these i don't know if that makes sense sorry i'm like rambling a little bit but i just i just think there's a lot of beauty in that so yeah gosh so good i i just i i one of the things that i think is also really really cool um about studio wesley annex is that none of us come to these texts with all of this like theological language and 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 i just for the right yes i've done a lot of study and and there's a lot of things that i'm thinking about um i intentionally don't do all of that because i really think that this discussion that we're having is really like just regular people not trying to like philosophically unpack the text we're trying to personally unpack unpack the text and so that's one of the reasons that i love 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 what we do here at Studio Wesley Annex. And so just going to keep moving, Brooke. You're awesome. And that was just a beautiful reflection. Want to now pass it on to my good friend, Drew, uh, who's going to bring us a reflection on the Old Testament text, Micah 6. So take it away, my friend. So Micah 6, 1 through 8. Listen to what the Lord is saying. Stand up and state your case against me. Let the mountains and hills be called to witness your complaints. And now, O mountains, listen to the Lord's complaint. He has the case against his people. He will bring charges against Israel. O my people, what have I done to you? What have I done to make you tired of me? Answer me. For I brought you out of Egypt and redeemed you from slavery. I sent Moses, Aaron, and Miriam to help you. Don't you remember, my people, how King Balak of Moab tried to have you cursed, and how Balaam, son of Beor, blessed you instead? And remember your journey from Acacia Grove and Gilgal. When I heard the when I the Lord did everything I could to teach you about my faithfulness. What can we bring to the Lord? Shall we bring him burnt offerings? Shall we bow before God most high with offerings of yearling calves? Shall we offer him thousands of rams and ten thousand rivers of olive oil? Shall we sacrifice our firstborn children to pay for our sins? No, O people, the Lord has told you what is good, and that is what he requires of you to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So what I kind of took from this is it really, I mean, it's literally like, it feels like a court setting. You know what I mean? You can, it says, stand up and state your case against me. Um, and I feel like uh, it shows a good picture of what it means to be uh, the God of justice in the beginning, like we say. And uh, it shows you that he's literally talking about uh, justice. And, and then that is then, so our idea of what justice is, I feel like a lot of times is very strong handed and it's um, harsh and powerful. And while God does have that side, uh, in this specific text, when you can tell that he is frustrated with the people for turning away from him and um, not doing what he feels like he's called them to do, uh, his answer isn't uh, 
that they need to sacrifice more or they need to uh, bring sort of earthly offerings to him. But um, instead, he just requires that we do what is right and to love mercy and to walk humbly. And I think that those are, it's rem- it reminds us that in life, it doesn't, we don't always have to think about what we can bring uh, monetarily or with our physical gifts because we don't, we don't all have those. So, yeah. It's great. That is great, Drew. Um, th- this text, uh, particularly Micah 6 8, like it's one of those texts that people, uh, a lot of people hang on and like, you know, kind of quote, it's one of the quotables. And, um, I think it's always interesting. Uh, we th- we think we know what God has asked of us. And Micah 6, 8 in particular, always sort of comes back. It's like, actually, <laughs> this is what the Lord has required. I mean, like that word require seems to find itself in most translations. And I, I think that particularly in the season of Epiphany, maybe one question that's being asked of us is this, like, how will you approach God? Like, how will you serve God? Do you really think you figure that out? Maybe it's time for us to have a re-education of, of how God wants us to live in this world. Uh, Brooke, Michael, y'all got any thoughts, comments? Yeah, I, um, I really appreciate your thoughtful reading of the text, Drew, because I... Um, yeah, when you said, and I was trying to find it in my Bible, and I, I didn't know where, <laughs> though I've listened on like three times speed to the Bible being read like five times now, I, I could not find the book of Micah. Um, but as you were saying, like describing it as like a court scene, that just really opened up a text to me. And I was like, where did that come from? And I read it, I was like, oh no, it is like a court scene. Like it is being framed as this like, God is saying um, to the people, like, what do you have against me? Like, what have I done wrong? And the thing is, um, and this is where I need to work on the walking humbly with your God. Like, my first response is like, oh, no, God, like, let's go. Like, I can tell you some things. I, I don't know. I don't know. So I, I do find it interesting. And I, I would want to reflect on this further. And that's just like a deeper thing with me and God where I am like, no, like, I do think you're accountable for, <laughs> for some things, God, like I do, I do have some things I'd like to go to court about. Um, but also this idea that like, no, like God is like, that the text brings us that no, like we're the ones that fault, which I do, there is something there that I want <laughs> that is still settling into my soul. And I do love this idea. Like you said, Derek, like you said, Drew, that that what God asks of us is to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with our God. Like, that's it. Like, all of these sacrifices, it mentions, like, the oil. It's like, that's not it. That's not at the heart of it. I know you keep thinking that's what. That's not what it's about. It's about this. It's about your character. Um, and, yeah, that's definitely something I am going to be holding on to. I'm going to try really hard to not get on a tangent about prison reform right now because um, because I'm literally like reading this thinking of like a courtroom setting and then just like these words like that all 
speak very much towards the, the the phrasing of like mercy, like humility, right? Like justice, like all these things that you would think kind of work towards this idea of like, again, not going to go too far into this, but like rehabilitation, like, like God's giving us this chance to kind of like, I, I don't, I don't know. It feels, it feels a lot more merciful than, than like the image of a, of like a courtroom and like the injustice that we get in a courtroom in like a modern day setting. So I like I like picturing the the courtroom like references and stuff like back then in the way that God's using it as like a metaphor to, you know, basically yeah, telling us to to walk humbly and like in kindness and like for our brethren, like doing the best for other people, uh, very much speaks to like what a court system hopefully should be. But yeah, anyways, okay. I'm loving it. True. Thanks so much for that. Really, really intentional and thoughtful reflection. Friends, we'll be right back uh, for the rest of this episode of Studio Wesley Annex. Hi, friends. If we haven't met, my name is Allison, and I'm here to talk to you about one of the resources that we have to offer at the Wellness Project. The Wellness Project has two new cohorts starting this spring, and you should definitely join us. A cohort is a mental health module that has been designed by campus ministers and students on our design team. The first cohort is titled Mental Health Overview, and it's exactly what it sounds like. There are eight sessions total, and each session covers a different topic on mental health and wellness to give you a general overview of what those topics are. The second cohort is called Peer Support, and that's four sessions all to do with peer support. We would love to have you join us, and if you'd like to sign up, go to studiowesley.org slash wellnessproject. And we're back. Our breaks are always fun. And maybe one day y'all will get some of the outtakes of what happens on our breaks. Uh, they're really, really beautiful. And I have so much fun uh, as we're just waiting to come back. So we are now back and, and Michael is going to take us into our Psalm text, Psalm 15. So take it away, Michael. Uh, I'm going to read the whole thing because it's it's just five verses. It's pretty short. So um, Eternal One who is inviting to stay in your dwelling, who is granted? Uh, who is granted passage to your holy mountain? Here's the answer. The one who lives with integrity, does what is right, and speaks honestly with truth from the heart. The one who doesn't speak evil against others or wrong his neighbor or slander his friends. The one who loathes the loathsome, honors those who fear the eternal, and keeps all promises no matter the cost. The one who does not lend money with gain in mind and cannot be brought to harm an innocent name. If you live this way, you will not be shaken and will live together with the Lord. So I already, <clears throat> I like this Psalm a lot because um, I feel like a lot of Psalms that I've been reading or have read always have at least one little line or one little something about like, like cast out evil, vanquish the villainy. I don't know, something along those lines. Whereas this, like this Psalm is very like peaceful. It's very calm. This is like what I, I think it's fair to say this is like a meditative Psalm. So this is David is just considering the moral moral characteristics he would ascribe to somebody who is seeking to approach God. Um, I, I kind of picture this as like, I don't know, like a kid camping with their dad. So like dad's chilling in a lawn chair. The kid's like bent over by a tree, like drawing in the dirt with a stick. And they're like, so 
who's invited to like stay with you? Like who's granted passage into your like holy mountain or whatever? And then like they're like, oh, okay, I'll, I got some thoughts. And then I do think this is David like responding for themselves. And then God's just sitting back like listening, like, yeah, no, you're doing great. Keep going. Um, and then he throws out these like six little like couplets, these six little like pairings of things that um, I do think all kind of end up focusing on other people versus ourselves. So again, all these Psalms have these like things about like villainy and blah, 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 focus on other focus elsewhere. And then here we're like focusing on ourselves and the impact we have on other people. It's like a totally selfless heart that allows us into the not kingdom of God, but into God's presence. Right. Um, I think one of the reasons I was struggling with this Psalm so hard and re response to responding to it for, for annex here is because like, I just don't, get how anybody can read this psalm uh in the bible and not recognize like one we all know that david has like a very close personal relationship with god like that's kind of, i feel like that's kind of emphasized throughout the bible and then with that david's now like answering this question of like who is granted passage to like god's holy mountain or whatever or like into god's space and then he lists off all these things that revolve around selflessness like uh your actions have to be just truth without slander no wrong to friends or strangers you know recognize wrong when you see it stand morally specifically stand with the disadvantaged people like literally it's so clear what david is saying here and i get a little frustrated that like anybody could read this and not just totally have all their focus on that like again david has this like strong connection with god and he's very clearly saying this and again in my image of this text like god's listening to david answer his own question in like meditative response and god's sitting there like no you're doing great keep going you know and um yeah i, I don't know i think um i just feel very strongly about this i think we talked in the last episode about like paul paul calling people away from complacency and kind of calling them to you know confront the unjust and I feel like David's doing the exact same thing. He's saying like, it's pretty easy. Like you stand by what's right. You stand with people who are like disadvantaged and um, you do it all morally and just, and you try to do your best to tell the truth without slandering other people. Like, it just, I don't know. It just feels very clear. And I don't know. That's, I think that's where I'm going to stop for now, but yeah, that's, that's it. Oh, Oh, good, Michael. Brooke, Drew, you got any thoughts? Yes, I, um, yes, I, I, um, I'm thinking about what you said, Derek, about how, um, we're choosing to read these as epiphany checks, which the way I currently understand epiphany is about thinking about what God is doing in the world, which we call grace, is God's action in the world, um, which I would say is always loving, is always good. So like, what is God doing in the world? And then what is our response to that? Um, which is such, such a beautiful and big concept to me and such a beautiful way to begin the new year. Um, but from that context, thinking about Psalm 15, Paired with the other ones that are talking about, um, well, especially the last one, which is saying like what God asks from us is justice, kindness, humility, um, just this idea of the spirit that God wishes us to enter the world with, 
and that this is this is how we are to honor God is by having this kind and gentle spirit that that you're talking about, Mike. And um, I I feel mind blown. I'm like, wow, like that's a beautiful way of organizing the liturgical text. Um, but it's also um, also something really thoughtful to carry to carry with us. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> what I took is that when I first listened to it, it made me think, okay, these are the things that you should be doing to be, I guess, fitting in the presence of God. And if you can do these things, then you'll fit, basically. But when I thought about it more, I think that it's you can't really do much to be fitting or not fitting. I think that God kind of accepts us anyways. And that it's more about um, what you what you bring into the world, because I feel like uh, at times it may be easy to do these things that this pastor talks about for a small amount of time or temporarily. But if we can do it in the world for our life as a value and as a as a mission, then that is that is more, you know fitting than just putting it on so we can be with God in his presence temporarily. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I appreciate that. Drew. And Michael, I, lo I loved your take. And just like, as you were talking, I had, there are these weird moments in social media where some politician will say something, you know, radical or some celebrity will say something really, really like, like, just profound or they say think it's profound and then somebody in the background will like go and like find this tweet that they made that's the exact opposite of what they just said and so then they'll post that tweet and i'll be like hey this you <laughs> and i feel like psalm 15 is this huge like message to the people of god where like god's people are like we're awesome we we are we are people of justice. We are close to God, and and David like comes through with this <laughs> with this massive tweet from way back, where it's like, "Hey y'all, this you, this you." Like, and I I I do think that there is a little bit of shade that's being thrown in Psalm 15, and let's be honest, some of that shade is actually being thrown at David himself because there's a sense that like. David as a human, one day somebody could come back and be like, hey, bro, this you? The dude who just slept with Bathsheba? Dude who just had Bathsheba's husband killed? Like, this this you? Like, <laughs> and I I think, and and I'll take this and roll, roll us into the gospel text. Michael, you're great. I just so, so grateful for the way you see the text. And I'll roll into the gospel text now uh, as we're, we're finishing our conversation. Matthew 5, I do think that all of these texts that we've talked about today in the context of Epiphany are a, a bit of a reality check and a gut check. And this is what I think light does, right? Like light comes in and it, and it shines and it illuminates the kind of everything and, and sometimes the things that get illuminated are the ways that we are not quite who we should be. And I don't think that that is something that we 
need to mourn or something that we need to feel shame about. Like none of us are who we should or could be. That's what the that's the whole point of growth and maturity, right? Like the whole reason why we are still on our journey is because we still have much to learn. We still have ways to grow. We still have things that God is trying to show us. And oh, the grace, the grace of God, here's what God is doing, shining the light on the parts of us that still need to grow up, that still need to um, learn and, and move forward, mature. Okay, so the gospel text, Matthew 5, it's one of my favorites, and I'll just start with the first verse. Um, we don't have to go deep into the rest of it um, as much as I really want to. Um, first verse, Matthew 5, verse 1. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountain. He sat down and his disciples came to him. Okay, we have to stop there because there is uh, an interpretation that I just want to bring to you about that first verse. Because Matthew is a gospel that is written primarily to Jewish converts to Christianity, and, and even then that's, I'm using more words than I should, these are Jewish followers of Jesus, people who have a deep understanding of, the, of Yahweh, of, of the, the Hebrew story and the Hebrew narrative in this world, and yet they have somehow found that narrative to draw them to the life, the person, uh, and, and the ethics of Jesus, okay? So they're coming to the story of Jesus with all of that Hebrew narrative in mind. And many theologians believe that when Jesus walks up on this mountain, it is this ping to when Moses was on a mountain. And when Moses was on a mountain, he did this one specific thing. He brought down to them the law the Ten Commandments. This is how you live as God's people. These are the parameters. These are the rules, if you will. And so we're literally, ping we're literally pinging back to that moment, at least for many who are reading this text and interpreting this text. So if you can imagine Jesus being the new Moses, Jesus bringing the new law, Jesus bringing the new rules. And what are those rules, y'all? Those rules are happier people who are hopeless because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Happier people who grieve because they will be glad. Happier people who are humble because they will inherit the earth. Okay, and you just keep going. Jesus is literally changing this conversation of what it means to be God's people. He's changing the parameters, changing the rules. And now he's saying, here's actually what we value. We value those who look like they're hopeless, those who are living hopeless. We value them because the kingdom of heaven is theirs, which old translations are a little more poetic. The common English Bible is just trying to like get us there, get us to some accuracy. But old translations are like, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of like all of that, like that, that, that blessed, but it, it really does translate to happy are those. And again, here's here's what I think we're trying to understand in the gospel text this week and all of the texts, right? It's it's the question that comes when light shines in such a way that we see something we've never seen before 
about the world, but really about ourselves. One of the great things I love about therapy is that, and I have an incredible therapist. She's incredible. I'm not going to tell you her name because I want all the availability and I don't want anybody to jump in on that. No, actually, uh, if you want me, I'm happy to tell you who my therapist is offline. But I love the way that my therapist, she just listens to me and she's paying attention and just receiving everything that I'm saying. And then she will then shine a light on one particular part of my life. One thing I said, she's like, let's go back to that thing. And usually it's the thing I was like, do we have to? Do we have to go back to that thing? Because if we go back to that thing, you go, you knew there was more there and I was just trying to graze over it. I was trying to like, I knew I need to like be honest and say like, yeah, I did that thing. But you know, no, 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 no. And she's like, let's go back to that thing. Let's, let's, let's. And, and sometimes I'll say, let's double click on that thing. Like, let's open that up. Let's talk about that. And I feel like the text this week in the context of Epiphany is, is just a continuous, let's open that up. Like, hey, you know, the song text, hey, this you, is, is this, are you the kind of person? that matches what this song said. It's okay if you're not, because the writer wasn't either. So <laughs> let's all come to the table knowing that we've got stuff to do. I, I, it, it's, the, it's the recognition of the upside down kingdom, the upside down kingdom, the upside down way of the ethics of Jesus that we saw in the New Testament text. And, and it's, it's Micah 6. It's, do, do you know? Do, let's come back to the courtroom and let's like unpack this again. Let's say, and so I do hope this week, this fourth week of Epiphany, I'm kind of doing my closing point and wrapping it into the gospel. I hope this week we would have courage to allow light to shine, yes, on us, so that we can see things we haven't seen before about our lives and know that growth and healing and being people who do good in the world that's available to each one of us. That's why these texts are here. These texts are not here to say, you are not as good as you think you are. You are a bad person. No, these texts are here to say, oh my gosh, you could be the kind of person, verse nine, happy are people who make peace. You could be the kind of person who makes peace. That would be, you would be happy. You would be blessed. You should, you should consider being a person who makes peace because those people will be called God's children. Okay. That's my thought. Friends, come on back in and, and tell me what you're thinking about what I just said. I really appreciate that you make this an exciting challenge or like an exciting sort of like, I, it's like the, it's like the hype up into a new year's resolution. It's like, Oh, now I can like jump in and like, really make a change yeah it's exciting instead of like villainizing <clears throat> which i do think it's really easy to read a lot of things in the bible as that sort of not i don't, I don't know if judgmental is the right word but just this sort of thing of like this isn't you it should be and then you're like oh i feel bad about myself ah. but like yeah i like the just that whole change of mind to like get excited about it instead is just really exciting to me also i just want to quickly point out like i love this reading of of pinging back to, to Moses on the mountain, because then it's like, Jesus is the author of this story. And he's like, he set himself up for the perfect second act, like plot twist, bomb, like bomb drop. He's like, he's like, I'm gonna come in on the, in the second act and just totally like, um, and totally, uh, Oh God, what, what's the word? 
totally just like capitalize on my own like on my own like plot device that I that I scripted in and everybody's gonna eat that up yeah anyways okay I think I thought it was interesting because when when you read the text and you explained it it's funny to me how these type of things stay relevant from way back in the the old testament to the new testament and now we still struggle with it so it's like a it's almost like a self-help text that will last just forever because these are things that i think until forever as humans we're going to have a really tough time with and i think kind of what you both said is that it's not to say that we're terrible or uh we're less than but we can be excited to work towards towards this vision and we're called to so that's why i took yeah, I, I mentioned in the response to the psalm how it, <laughs> I love the arrangement of the liturgical text, but I even know we were like going into the Beatitudes, like that's so beautiful. Like I really, <laughs> I feel challenged to think about the connection between all of the texts in the future. I don't know if they're always going to be as beautiful as this one, like as like, but that's, it's really insightful to think about like, I feel like the message in all of them is this. Um, I end up just having a gentleness of spirit and a humility. Um, and gosh, to, to, see, to see people who are struggling. And I end up like to have, um, to have compassion, to like do what you can to do better, but not in this tone of like, oh, you have to do better, right? Which there's totally that in the Bible. Like, it's not like, it's not like God doesn't do that. But I appreciate this tone of like, it, it feels gentle, like come along with me, with my gentle, loving spirit. Um, and let's do the service, do the service that God asks of us. Um, it. Gosh, I, I just love that that spirit and attitude. That's something um, something I'll keep. Um, so thank you, Derek. Awesome. Well, Brooke, do you want to close us in prayer? Yes. Um, all right. If you want to pray with me. Um, dear God, thank you so much for bringing all of us together. Thank you for bringing everyone who's listening to this. Um, and I ask God, I... Um, yeah, I feel, I feel challenged in a kind way, you know, like challenged in like a gentle way that's like, hi, do you want to, do you want to go on this journey with me? Um, but it is a big journey, um, this journey of having our hearts be molded, gosh, to be, to be as you ask them to be, to be gentle and kind and caring and just and humble these are beautiful words and they light up my heart, God, but you know, like they, they can be really hard to actually act and live out. Um, and I, I don't think I can do that on my own. <laughs> um, and I guess I don't believe any of us can do that on our own, but I ask God that we will all be willing to let that transformation take place in our hearts and that 
and that you'll let it happen, God. And I know I'm thinking of like my life and the ways that like, oh, I do this right. Like I'm gentle in this way and this way and this way, but it's not, it's not about that. It's about, it's about the ways that it's still coming through. And I ask God that not only will we have light shed on the ways that we are, we are acting in, in ways where our hearts are molded like yours, God, but also in the ways where we're still coming along and that you will continue to do your gentle good work in us so that we can do our gentle good work in the world that you ask us to do. Thank you so much, God. You are good. You are wonderful. And thank you. Um, um, yeah, I, I do hope you're having a good day. I know how to not say that. I hope you're having a good day and please let everyone have the best day available to them. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Brooke. Uh, Drew, welcome to the Annex Conversation. I'm sure that we will see you again in this space. Michael, the ever brilliant and just always bringing such creative thoughtfulness to the table. Brooke, you are just, you're a gift and a joy and continue to be grateful for you. Friends, thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time for another episode of Studio Wesley Annex. Be well.